0: You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment.
1: Hey, this is the Catholic Psyche Podcast. This is Deacon Basil.
2: Shri Trentini.
1: And this is Chris. Wait, do you... We
0: haven't been doing last names, but if you want, we ha- no, we haven't. But I think it makes sense. I mean, that's
1: who you are, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's who I am. <laughs>
1: well, the good news is, no one will ever know who I am, right? So, Except it's on the did. website. So, anyways. no one will ever know. <laughs> no one's gonna look at that website. No. Okay, and for our listeners who are wondering, uh, Sarah couldn't be here today i think she has bridesmaid duty is that right something i think t- something like really important and I, I was gonna say totally lame but yeah okay. yeah well you know really important in scare quotes scare, so yeah. you know she <laughs> yeah, she's get all someone married all as you know? well i don't even know if our listeners are like dedicated enough to really like know who these personalities are but in case anyone out there is worrying as far as i know i think she's doing well yeah, yeah i got a text from
0: her earlier so yeah. all right I also wanted to really quick do a uh, shout out to uh, an old parishioner um, of mine who is a listener, Sam uh, Clayman. and I don't remember what her last name now is, but she's newly married, and so I uh, just wanted to say hi. And uh, yeah, and you hope, know, hope marriage is uh, as lovely as it uh, as it should be. Yeah, for a twenty dollar donation, anyone can get a shout out. Just uh, PayPal that to us, right? Just yeah, PayPal it to Basil Balky. Uh, uh, just kidding. <laughs> so today we are going over uh, some different myths that we kind of get oftentimes in, in as therapists um, what psychotherapy might be what therapy might be what counseling might be what all that is and uh, just kind of going over the different kinds of Myths about what psychotherapy is and those kind of preconceptions. So right. my favorite one that I hear uh, on a regular basis—I um, don't know how regular anymore—it is, but it's: Do I just lie down on the couch and you sit behind me? Um, and I think it comes out of some uh, like movies. movies, movies of, of still Freud show or something, psychoanalysis as, yeah.
1: as therapy. And and that does happen. Yeah, the, mean,
2: Freudian style, right? the Freudian style. The yeah, Freudian style. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that does happen. It, um, that's where it's noting. It, it, there's another misconception, and that which is the opposite one, which is that no one does that anymore, mm-hmm. and that's not true either. There's actually um believe it or not, a pretty rich community of psychoanalysts here in here in Denver hmm. and so yeah. it still happens and uh, and they're fun to hang out with if you ever get a chance. highly recommended yeah, but most therapists aren't psychoanalysts right correct. yeah, I was sitting there thinking like it would be really fun
0: to like just try that someday, but you know. <laughs> I just sit there and listen to people, to make listen to people like,
2: talk just, all day long.
0: Just lie there and tell me that and do word association. But but what oftentimes therapy does look like is, you know, especially here, we're in the Arvada office here, um, but all of our offices have, you know, usually a couch and then some chairs and the therapist and, the, and they sit at eye level and we talk about things and mm-hmm. and kind of go through that. Uh, uh, I'm laughing
1: because I work with kids. And so you don't sit at eye level. <laughs> uh, sometimes we run around the chairs. Other times we like are on the floor. Sometimes we stand on the chairs, is that okay? Right. I mean, each to their <laughs> yeah. own, I suppose. Um, I've Maybe never sometimes had.
2: Sometimes you're outside.
1: Well, yeah, actually, I haven't done that yet here, but I'm a big fan of that. In mm-hmm. yeah. my other agency, I walk around
0: with kids. I think yeah. that's exactly another myth that all therapy is is sitting there talking about your problems. Yes. And that's quite different. Um, you know, I, I use EMDR with light bars and, and uh, tappers and everything. Chris, you're, um, you do. Um, Music therapy, the music we do dance. music and movement for crying right. out loud. Cherie,
1: you're doing um, uh, canine-assisted therapy right yes. now. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever have clients move, or, like, when you see a whole family? I know, isn't, what, what is what it, like, uh, family sculpting? Is that a thing where you kind of, like, have yeah. people play parts and you can, yeah, you can move. physically rearrange them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes there's a lot of movement in the room, especially if you have a large family. So um, I've had a lot of families with four or five kids in the room and there's up to seven people sometimes and we're in different chairs and it's like okay well let's put you here and reorganize that's and fun. see what happens and get a different dynamic yeah yeah definitely.
1: so you can get your cardio sometimes you can get your cardio after you therapy and,
0: and there is a tradition now especially out here in colorado that's being developed is is wilderness therapy yep. which is really cool um, where mm-hmm. go through, you go in a different you go for different walks and things out Yeah, hikes, programs. Yeah. definitely and dance therapy. Dance,
2: dance therapy dance
0: movement therapy yoga yeah. therapy mm-hmm. yep absolutely yep. all kinds of so and I think that's exactly it therapy is as varied as there are clients and, and issues and things that can, people can benefit from um like like dogs on laps which I think might be might be the best therapy <laughs> um and I think Excuse me, cats on laps too, Chris. Thank you yeah, for
1: that. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Let's,
2: let's just clarify. I bought a puppy today and it is in the office with us.
1: <laughs> I didn't know you bought your puppy today. Yes, today. That's so exciting. Yes. And I don't even, I I don't even think they're the greatest animal. So yes. you, you're, you don't like dogs? I just said they're not the greatest. Oh, okay.
2: Chris is a cat person.
1: (laughs) I'm so outnumbered here as like the resident tomist and the cat person. In the state of Colorado, there's like no cat people. Everyone here moves out here and they're like, yeah, I have like a dog and a snowboard and that's my family and I love them both. Yeah.
2: Hey, I just bought a snowboard a couple weeks ago too. <laughs>
1: We're living out the stereotypes. Oh my god! Oh. As long as you don't do marijuana therapy, nope. you just totally be a cult. No,
2: guy. that one, that one's not a part that of the practice. That yeah,
1: that goes against
0: some, uh, ACA codes and ACA codes. And also <laughs> yeah, some yeah. of our, uh, CCC codes, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And I think, um, so kind of looking at that therapy is as varied as, as anybody and any of the issues that might be coming up. And so, you know, it, it, um Well, and I think also therapy is either just one on one therapist and client or that it's it's uh just the couple and the client it's like no you can have group psychotherapy you can have you know it's it's really quite varied in the way in mm-hmm. which it can it can uh, operate it has very great therapeutic benefit to things like group therapy totally. which I think is sadly one of the things lacking um in most areas is is a strong group psychotherapy uh community
2: yeah, and in fact um A lot of people that i see individually they really benefit from multiple modalities of therapy so individual group even group that is formal or non-formal yeah even online group Mm -hmm. support groups
1: yeah yeah i i actually really don't like when i'm working with a client and i know i'm the only like healthcare professional working with this client Mm -hmm. it's First of all, you know, you get this cognition like, oh, now it's up to me, which is false, right? You're, it's not our responsibility to save the world or save anyone, but it's it's really nice when you're part of a therapeutic web. That's the term we use at the, in the agency, the other agency where I work, and it's like, it's nice when I, I can refer a client for art therapy and then I can also refer them to the school social worker And, you know, um, for um, adjunct massage therapy. And then I can coordinate with those other therapists and talk with them about what aspects of the client they're seeing. And, you know, their own unique insights that I might not have Mm -hmm. if I'm the only one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What was one of the other myths? We we sat down and came and we spoke them out
1: and said, oh. We should write these down, but we didn't. So I feel like we were touching on it already, and I wonder if any of our listeners have had this question, um, because I I know it comes up for my clients. Mm -hmm. And the question is about terms. What is therapy and what is counseling? Are they the same thing and are they different? And then a related question is, who does them? Because when I search for counseling or therapy on Google, I get social workers, I get psychiatrists, psychologists, LPCs, LMFTs, music therapists, art therapists deacons, chaplains, pastors, I don't know who to go to. Yeah. Any thoughts? Well, I think the most important thing is to
0: say, it's really complicated (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) and and I wish it were, um, yeah, I mean, maybe this can be a resource for some people moving forward is that, you know, starting out, I think we've got to differentiate with Catholics. We've got to differentiate the difference between pastoral counseling Mm-hmm. And clinical counseling and spiritual or, direction. which did a short form on exactly, exactly. So there is a difference between those. So let me just kind of do this, and then we can get into the clinical side yeah, a lot more. Do. But you've got this this real difference between pastoral counseling, which might be what you see your priest or your deacon for, um, which might be about you know some kind of marriage issues. Um, the in many ways, this is the wild west uh, when it comes to things where, and and it can be, it can be helpful, and it can be really mm-hmm. destructive. Um, at the you know And so you've got to be very careful with this Some priests are very, very good and well-trained And have a really good background in pastoral counseling um, and Some deacons do Some, some lay people um, in churches yeah. or, or out in the world do But not everyone does mm-hmm. um, And just think about it You've got 120 graduate credits That you have to do in order to be ordained a priest That's not a whole lot Even though it sounds like a bunch When you have to understand all of church history All of theology All of these different kinds of things How to do liturgy You know and then pastoral counseling on top of it. So it can be a real challenge. So I think two twofold. You've got priests doing this pastoral stuff. That really needs to be very short. Three sessions is what I say to my students oh. the most. Okay, so you wouldn't Three have sessions.
1: like like a, you know, a year long course of I'm pastoral.
0: sure. I'm sure pastoral counselors do that, but I think it's a mistake. Okay, that's um, interesting. And um, I'm backed up by the research on that. No, I had to do quite a lot of. Uh, so um, you know, it's one of those things. It's pastoral counseling is is very limited. Should be about three sessions. Okay. Um, there are some extension, ex, you know, some Extending, situations yeah. where that might not be the case. Um, might be shorter or longer, but really it should be short term and probably limited too in terms of issues. Right, and so really, mm-hmm. what the pastoral counselor is doing is saying. Is this something I can handle, or is this something I should be referring to? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. That's what they should be doing. Um, as someone who does pastoral counseling, nice. that's yeah. what <laughs> I think is really important because I can't be the uh, that person for everyone. The other, then you have spiritual direction, and that you know you can you can listen to the, the difference between counseling and spiritual direction. Um, but essentially, those are primarily looking at spiritual issues and prayer life. Um, and then you have the clinical side, um, which is what we do here at at the practice here and in general um you know what we've been trained to do
1: yeah that's a good point um to address the first question i i'm wondering if both of you have noticed this particularly in in i think christian communities there's a tendency to prefer the term counseling over psychotherapy have you either of you seen that i've actually i would have said the exact opposite really are you serious
0: well but for me, the word therapy, you know, psychotherapist is soul healer. Okay, so... In Greek. So I always use the word
1: psychotherapist okay, in my cat. cut off for a minute the entire um, population of people interested in, like, orthodox psychotherapy, which we discussed in the mm-hmm. um, second episode of this podcast. Right. Not any of those, like, really cool Eastern Orthodox and Byzantine Catholic folks who are interested in avagris. I'm talking about, like, most American Christian families... Hmm. My experience has been, and also from listening to you know, radio programs and, and talking to people who've been trained in this, that um, it just, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm off base, but I think some people find the term counseling counseling, or counselor less, uh, less foreign or maybe less threatening than like therapists. Yeah, less
2: intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I know that I specifically use that term, not necessarily with Christian families, but when I was working with a lot of women, low-income women who are pregnant, very high-risk, and wanting to get them to feel comfortable approaching, entering into counseling, psychotherapy, therapy, whatever you want to call it. And we specifically wanted to label it as counseling and not therapy Yeah. because we want to be like, here, this is approachable. This you can easily go to and just talk, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to, you don't have to get into anything really deep, Mm -hmm. but this is just somebody you can talk to who's here for you. And I feel like the term psychotherapy kind of has a more serious connotation it to it. Serious, like serious. You're going to yeah. do some serious work.
1: You're like, and look so, at my brain on the inside. Yeah,
2: we're really going to dig deep and do a lot of stuff and pick
1: some pick it some old wounds,
2: <laughs> which isn't the case yeah. necessarily.
0: Yeah, because I'm now that we're talking about this, like remembering back to the uh, back to my time in early in the early days when I was work when I. You know, before Mount Tabor, back in the early days, way back, back when I was a boy. No, but we would, I would, I would do the same thing. I would talk about in terms of counseling to people who, uh, who we were working with, because it was it was more approachable.
1: Yeah, I think it's a more approachable term. I think counselor. I'm I'm sorry, I gotta say your dog is being cute. I, I gotta put that on the record. I can't deny it any longer. Okay, your dog is so cute. Thank
2: you, I appreciate that. that. The term that is
1: counselor connotes someone that kind of helps you along the path, and it seems gentle and approachable. Um, but I, I have some strong opinions about this, and I, I, I was much moved by a professor in grad school who um, was particularly interested in, in, in why men seek uh, therapy less than women do. And um, he kind of stumbled on some research and some of his own like anecdotal observations about men kind of being afraid of of terms and therapy Mm -hmm. in particular and worrying about, you know, like, do I need to see a therapist because I am weak or I'm lacking something? And he saw that if he marketed himself differently, he could attract more male clients. But then he had like this almost like on his conscience, like weighing on him, like, no, like. What I do is psychotherapy, that's what it is. That's the most correct term for what I do. And I really think when you look at the etymology of the term psychotherapy, it's the most appropriate term for at least mm-hmm. for what I do. That's my position, I, I respect disagreement, but um, I mean, we're doing, you know, it's its soul healing. It's healing of the mind, of the psyche.
2: And when I even think about the word counsel, counseling, if you take away the in at the end, like counsel, I feel like a lot of different people can give somebody else counsel.
0: Right. Advice. Well, <laughs> and I think that's a yeah. keen insight and something that is important to, to swing back to is that pastoral counseling, there's no pastoral therapist. That's great. Yes. Because they're not doing psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. They're giving counsel. They're giving counsel. And that's very different
1: than what <laughs> we do on a regular yes. basis. And the biggest irony of all is that really the ACA, the, the, the our association kind of dissuades us from giving counsel. Yes. Our training is not to sit with our clients and give them advice. Like, all right, here's what... If I were in your shoes, here's how I'd save the marriage. Right. That's not something a counselor mm-hmm. ever does. So it's a bit ironic yeah. that that's the term we're, we're left with.
2: Yeah. But I think that leads into actually another myth about counseling is that people are going to come into counseling, come into the therapy, and the therapist is going to tell them what to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there are... As many different <laughs> kinds of therapy as there are out there and some, some of directive. them are more directive yeah. than others mm-hmm. but um, you know at least the way I envision it is that most of the time I can help you understand what you you know I can help you understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from and and understand that and I can even you know express how that might manifest itself in the future mm-hmm. but it really is the, the client's decision in the long run yes what that looks like
2: absolutely
1: yeah, In fact, there's a whole, um, there's a whole, um, theory of, uh, of psychotherapy and counseling called motivational interviewing, which mm-hmm. is really fascinating. Um, oftentimes when you'll attend a training, uh, MI training mm-hmm. that they'll, they'll do a, um, kind of a practice where they, they make you, um, pair up with someone and, and then tell them a problem you're having and then the other person's job is to give you direct advice <laughs> and it's so interesting to observe in yourself this tendency to react in exactly the opposite way we mm. that even if that's what we're asking for it's not what we're looking for people don't actually like being told exactly what to do sometimes they recoil in horror against that if you know if. If you want to lose weight and someone tells you, like, all right, like, you're gonna go jogging tomorrow at 6 a.m., and they badger you about that and it turns into nagging, you're gonna be like, man, if I wasn't inclined to go jogging before, I sure as heck am not inclined to go jogging now. So, counseling is about these interesting, subtle, and creative ways to encourage and elicit change that don't often involve direct, you know, directives. Sometimes they can. Sometimes they so, can. Sometimes they can, but not mm-hmm. always. Oftentimes,
0: at least what I see myself doing in therapy very often is asking questions that you know. It's like, well, have you thought of it this way? And and that helps them yeah. see their own their own vision of how it would work.
2: Or I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I even get clients that ask me several times in a row because I won't directly yeah. tell yeah. them what to do, yeah. and they'll be like, Shree, please just <laughs> tell me what to do. Throw me a bone. Here. Yeah. <laughs> And at that point of time, sometimes I'll give them options, right. be like, well, let's just sit down and explore all the different decisions you can make at this point mm-hmm. and then kind of come up and work with them and thinking, well, when you think about this option, what thoughts come up and helping them explore all the different facets of it. And so... I'm
0: sorry, this dog is just so <laughs> distractingly cute. Um... <laughs> um yeah, 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 no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think having those options and, mm-hmm. and kind of being clear about those options is exactly what I, I want from therapy. Um, yeah. In in the sense that I want to see options that I might not be able to see at certain times.
1: You know, Absolutely. it's interesting though because I think I think spiritual direction and pastoral counseling. Correct me if I'm wrong. Can be a more appropriate time for directives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're close with your pastor or with your spiritual advisor and they really know your situation and. They truly are more advanced in the spiritual life than you are. I think it may be appropriate, um, and you—it's interesting, actually. You see this kind of play out in, in in salvation history. It's it's like the this human need for for firm directives, and it's like thwarted time and again. And like when we're given firm directives, we can't actually obey them, like the, mm-hmm. the you know the old covenant, the old law, and uh, it's it's almost like you see that same frustration that Sheree described play out when. Um, when people approach Jesus for direct advice and he gives them parables. <laughs> right. And he kind of plays with ideas in complex ways. And they're like, just tell <laughs> us. Like, if you die and you've got, like, yeah. you know, you've remarried, then who are you married to in heaven? "Well, and, like, right. <laughs>
2: and the disciples were like, wait, what does that mean?
1: Right, right, absolutely. Tell us what the parable means. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tell us what the parable means. Right. right, and there are very few times when he does. He, he does it, but rarely. Rarely, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to just...
0: Swing back really quick to kind of mm-hmm. describe all of the different credentials because i think we, we so that's important, important there, yeah but, so I, I think just starting off at um kind of the most non-psychotherapy side is mm-hmm. is a psychiatrist now psychiatrists do have some of them do have training in therapy and mm-hmm. they sometimes can produce i uh, can can do that but at this point What most
1: people go and see a psychiatrist for is psychiatric medications. Mm -hmm. You'd want to look and see if they explicitly advertise that they do therapy. And I'm saying that because some of these cool psychoanalysts that I have hung out with are MDs. They're medical doctors with training in psychiatry. But they've also gotten advanced training in their psychoanalytic approach. That's not the norm anymore. It was in the 1930s right. and 40s, mm-hmm. right? So it's like so Freud,
0: Jung, all of those early psychothera- uh, psychotherapists that really started psychology in a in its latest iteration were psychiatrists. That's right. Yes. Um, but primarily now, how what that means is that they're 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 um, able to prescribe psychiatric medication, and now technically most general practitioners um, or pcps can prescribe psychiatric medication where it gets into the more complicated cases or you start to look
1: at interactions of mm-hmm. psychotherapy uh, psychiatric medication is where a psychiatrist would really um, be beneficial I, I recommend that every time i really think it's it's very helpful to see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. um for to get that real um r- that, that opinion that informed yeah. opinion right
2: in fact i would even recommend anytime no matter the severity of mental health issue that you have going on. If if you have to talk about your with your PCP about medication, see psychiatrist. You're just gonna get a more professional opinion. than than a PCP. Right.
1: And I think a good, um, you know, a good family uh, medicine practitioner or any other kind of PCP will do exactly what we described the good pastoral counselor doing. And that's, they'll recognize Mm -hmm. their their limitations. And oftentimes they do have a lot of experience with, you know, anti-anxiety and anti-depressive um, medicine, but 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 beyond that, they'll they'll often know their limits and say, yeah. okay, this is an instance where I need to refer out to a psychiatrist or a neurologist.
2: Or yeah. I've even really appreciated PCPs that are like, okay, I will prescribe you medication, but in order for me to feel comfortable with that, you need to see. An actual psychotherapist, nice. along with that, nice. while I'm prescri- as long as I am prescribing this to you, and then that's when we get the wraparound services, mm-hmm. right? And then I get in touch with the PCP. We kind of, I get to keep in touch, let them know what's going on. They're letting me know what's go- going on. And then it's not necessarily with a psychiatrist, right? But even the PCPs that reach out and do that,
1: that's awesome. I kind
2: of like applaud them.
1: Yeah, and you get a different perspective, yeah. too. I mean, we talked about this in our first episode, you know, Deacon, when you were talking about fasting. Fasting is popular. I mean, it, it ought to be popular in the universal church, but it is popular in the Eastern Church. And, uh, well, we, we say that it's popular. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a fast right now. But, uh. but um, you know, you would definitely want, you know, you would, that would be a great instance where a psychotherapist who's working with a client who's fasting would want to have that communication Absolutely. with their PCP. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay, so, so that's one. That's so psychiatrist.
0: Psychiatrist.
2: Now let's make the big distinction between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Yes,
0: yes, and I think that's really important. So a psychologist, I think all of them. Well, mm-hmm. well, even this is a place of distinction as mm-hmm. well. There is a clinical psychologist, and then there's a Experiment psychologist level. that would you know mm-hmm. study it and uh, study psychology as a
1: discipline, but okay. might not do therapy. Clinical psychologists are also at the doctorate level, but not medical doctors. Right. They have a PhD or a PsyD. Mm-hmm. They have a different right. kind of doctorate.
0: Right, and I know this sounds yes. really, really crazy, so look down in the show notes <laughs> right now, uh, and you'll have all of that kind of differentiation. Right. so down typically
2: there. the PsyD is more the clinical side, and the PhD is more your research-based Right. Psychology. That's programs.
0: the simple answer. That's, yes. simple answer. That's and, the simple answer. And, and, and sometimes yes. PhDs are, you know, the equivalent of a SID. And then no. to really yes.
1: blow your minds, in some states now, um, uh, clinical psychologists can prescribe medication <laughs> like in, in so some places. Let's just not even go yeah. there. Okay. So, but a psych- psychologist,
0: primarily their training. Um, is that they're able to do therapy, but they're primarily able to do uh, psychological evaluation, it's advanced yeah. assessments yeah. assessment assessment. that, that um, we mm-hmm. can't do. Right, That's, that counselors or, or marriage and family therapists can't do. Correct. So. Basically, the way I normally describe it is, they're able to do therapy, but they specialize in in um, in, in assessment. Yeah, and that could be really helpful, especially in school systems, especially where you know you're looking for um, you know job applications or, or any yep. of those things. Just general psychiatric assess or psychological assessments can be really really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the really unique pleasure of. Um, taking a full psychological battery um, when I applied to the seminary when I was was 17 years old um, (laughs) and it was so like just overwhelming I had no idea what was going on because I was a a high school kid and then um, just before being ordained to the diaconate um, they made me do another psychological evaluation and this was after grad school, I, I understood it all, and it was with the same um, the same psychologist oh, as that's before. <laughs> and so I requested the you know the the both reports, and it was so interesting to see like what had happened over the last eight years and so how much I psychologically for, uh, changed. Test and, retest, for yeah. right, right. Well, it was funny because I would be able to point out like. I know what you're looking for here, so let's just Mm -hmm. you know. I was going to ask, was
1: it cool, like the second time around, being like, "Oh, I've actually studied this particular assessment in my psychometrics class." Um, Well, it was it was the ink blots. Which are you serious? The ink blots, yeah.
0: Um, And it was like, I know ink blots is
1: old school. It's very psychoanalytic. It's a projective. uh, It's a projective assessment, right? And DU
0: actually, Denver University specializes in that still, and it's it's actually really cool. I think that's sweet. Um, But no, so it was like there. It's like I know what you're looking for with CAR card six i think it was and like, so i know what like you're fun. looking for i know what it looks like and so i was like the,
1: the, the um the the neuroscientist i mentioned i think in the depression episode robert sapolsky talks in one of his books about his wife is a neuro psychologist and when she was in school she would give him all the tests to like practice and so he's like memorized like answers and so when he's like older and has dementia he's gonna fool everyone <laughs> so don't yeah try not to take him for fun, right. probably you can't get a hold of them, but some of them you can on the yeah, internet. Yeah,
0: yeah, you really shouldn't be able to get a hold of them because then it just destroys the validity. The, devil, the validity, so, right? It really. Yes. Um
1: But no, it's very helpful. For instance, I have clients all the time where, um, so you know, I, I've mentioned this. I work a lot with um, children who've, who've experienced trauma. And um, having those adverse experiences, abuse or neglect early in life can impact learning. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I want to know, is there actually like a genetic learning, like an organic, I should say, organic learning disorder that's also going on. And that's where a referral to a neuros- a neuropsych test would be so helpful because they can say like, oh yeah, like whatever, like, like uh, in spite of the fact that this client um, had trauma, they actually also have dyslexia. And that would have been there anyway. And it's good for you to know that. Yeah. So you don't attribute mm-hmm. everything to the trauma
2: absolutely so just for distinction we have the psychiatrist which is the medical doctor that prescribes medication the psychologist which can either do research or more geared towards assessments depending on what kind of psychologist
0: yeah
2: and now we have more of the uh, psychotherapy licenses which is the lpc and the lsw lsc
1: lcsw
2: lcsw Sorry, they're called something different in different states. That's right. true.
1: Yeah, LPC <laughs> is um, LM, LMHC, I think, Licensed mm-hmm. Mental Health. L- right. Or
2: counselor? LPCC, Licensed Professional Clinical Counselor.
1: Yep.
0: Well, in some states. In some states. Yeah. So it, it varies based off the state, yeah.
2: Right, and then mine, which is an LMFT. Right. Or in other states, IMFT. So
1: right. What's the I? Independent. Oh, okay. That I answer sense. to no one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, (laughs) But essentially what all of those, so the LPC, LMFT, uh, LCSW, those are all master's level um, clinicians. So they have a master's degree like we all do. And and
2: I would clarify the license we are talking about right now are those who are fully licensed because there's licensures that you get right after your master's program that takes several years of experience to move up. And then you usually add a letter or something like that too, or take one away. Or
0: take one away. Yeah. So one I'm, away. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a candidate um, still for like the next week. Um, I'm a candidate <laughs> still. So I'm by the LPC time this goes assistant. out, yeah, you it'll won't be, be I'll be, I'll be yes. the real deal. No, I'll. <laughs> no, but I think I think that's you know important to d- differentiate. And I think the difference between that and maybe a psychologist is that a um, an LPC an LMFT depending on their kind of differentiation but they you know we specialize in therapy with a little bit of assessment so it's kind of the opposite of the way in which a psychologist is trained and i think the important thing to say less research as well and less research Mm -hmm. but i think the important thing to say is that you can have a phenomenal um therapist at the master's level with an lpc or an uh, lmft and you can have a phenomenal therapist as a PsyD. and i think sometimes people think oh well they're a PsyD; they're more serious they're better not all, not necessarily yeah and an lpc is not always going to be great at therapy either you right know? and so it's it really differentiates
1: based off of the professionalism of the of in the your training yeah
2: it's just a matter of experience as well
1: that's a good point too i think um there's been a move nationwide to standardize right it's um the C-C-R-E-P, right? The K-CREP is the C, whatever it is. Yes, you know? the
2: K-CREP. We'll yeah. just call it K-CREP.
1: Um, and it's like, they want, you know, basically that's like a, a, a you know, to, to, to make it so that licenses are really equivalent across state lines, but it hasn't quite happened yet. And programs really differ very widely. I mean, you know, there are some schools that that focus exclusively on one modality. And you go into that program and you and it spits you out as an expert narrative therapist or an expert Jungian, or uh, or you're really good at some contemplative mindfulness stuff. And then there are others that are eclectic and everything in between. So um, not to like scare the, the customer here, you know, the, the client, the potential client, but, um, you know, it, it might be even interesting just to do some basic research and really seek out a therapist that seems to align with what you're interested in. I mean, some people really want um, they really want to go deep and they want to do some like almost like mystical, transpersonal kind of stuff. And other people are like, you know what, let's make it behavioral. Yeah. I want it concrete. And so you might want to search for a behavioral therapist, a therapist who's really specialized in more of that behavior modification mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, My therapist is a narrative um, That's cool. person because it is
0: exactly like the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what I do. Um, so I want to kind of skip that side. I think yeah. it's important to keep that in mind. And. I think the the other thing to say about psychotherapy is that there's all sorts of different credentials that are not necessarily obvious. So there's like out here we have a certified addiction counselor, which oh, is a CAC. Sure. There's yeah. all of these different kinds of things. Like
1: you can add them to your. You can you add know, them, sure. or or you know, to be a CAC, you don't yeah. need to do that. And That's I think right. As a music
0: therapist, you don't. Music need therapy to be a is
1: more like OT, like occupational therapy, right. in that it's its own. Um, it has its own organization, its own master's programs. It's it's actually quite. Quite rare for a music yeah. therapist in the way that it'd be rare for an OT to also be a, a counselor. Right. Uh, it just so happened that you know in New York in New York, New York State, the graduate level music therapists get that counseling training. Right. But in mm-hmm. other states, they don't. Like in the state of Colorado, music therapists are like very medical model, and they were experts in doing like stroke rehabilitation work, talking about feelings. Not so much. Right.
2: It makes me think of another myth. So I want to go back to our concept Absolutely. of myth. Yeah, myths go for it. Of all therapists are the same, and if I go to one and it doesn't work, therapy doesn't work for me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And and I feel like all therapists, it's kind of weird, because I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I feel like we're all different.
1: Yeah. So different.
2: <laughs> Extremely different. Find another
1: field where there's so much diversity, yes. right? Yeah.
2: And, you know, I always heard the phrase in grad school, like, you go to 10 different therapists and you're going to get 10 different versions of the problem.
0: Right and different diagnoses. Yeah. Unfortunately.
2: Unfortunately, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that is exactly the case. And you know, what I tell people if if it's, you know, a family member or uh, actually, you know, I tell family members this all the time, like go and interview your therapist. Like go and interview yeah. the person you're thinking about doing therapy with. Hopefully, the person you're interviewing is of sound Psychiat a psychological state themselves that that's not going to make them go and cry in a ball, right? Right. Um, if you yes. know, if they well, that would be you your first
1: red flag. That would be a might big be red flag. Try, <laughs> try
0: again
2: <laughs> when they're calling you back. Like, wait, please, no, right, stay. Please,
1: please, yeah. That probably means they're, you know, they're new and they're starting a private practice. A good therapist will even say, you know, and if if we're if I'm not the right fit, then you know, but by all means, you're not locked into anything. Yeah. Right. And especially in the state of
0: Colorado, I'm sure it's universal, but I can only speak about Colorado. Is that you are not required to go to therapy after you sign it. Uh, you can terminate at any time. At, you can stop therapy at any time. Absolutely. You can literally get up and walk out of a session if you wanted, and there's no problem with that. Um, and I think that's really important to keep in mind that this is, you know, the client has the power in the rela- in the uh, in the uh, session in the sense that they are the sort of I, I say clients. You're the mm-hmm. boss. I
1: yeah. follow your lead. I like that. I think that's... The ACA would be proud of you, Deacon. Yeah. That's what they want. <laughs> I had a I had a, had a professor who did a lot of career counseling, which is like another thing. Ah, there's too many of them. Right. And his opening line was so great. He would say to his client, how can I be of service to you? Yeah. That's just yeah. how we start the first session.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I really like that idea of service because at least for me, that's kind of how I personally view my role mm-hmm. as a... I'm kind of even a servant to Mm -hmm. the client that walks in.
1: Oh, that's great. It's very Christian.
2: It is very Christian. It's like the Pope is the servant (laughs) of the servant. Right? But when you think about it, I I feel like that's even in my prayer life, right? And in my press of like, okay, how can I do that better? And hopefully translate into the work that I do. And so what's another myth that comes up?
1: Uh, well, let's quickly finish up the sure. credentialing thing because we've we've been working down the levels, starting with doctorate, medical doctor, and we went down to master's degree, and now we need to talk about the fact that you you can um, in some states. Actually, register as a quote psychotherapist without having any um, education.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So here in Colorado, there's this idea that there's this uh, mm-hmm. thing that you can do that's become a registered psychotherapist, which
2: actually blows my mind right. because where I'm from and where I was originally licensed, that was not a thing at all. No,
1: right. It shouldn't be. I mean, like, I don't want to editorialize too much. Maybe it's helpful for people in training. But the point is that do do your research. Right. Um. You know, you you might you might you know. You might have someone down the street who's advertising themselves as a, some sort of healer. They might even do really good work. They actually might. They might do but, really good work, but you don't know
0: that mm-hmm. based off of their their um, masters or, or doctorate, the uh, license creates or their some license, quality, Yeah, quality control. It should create some quality control. Now, with that said, you can be fully licensed, um, and there can be some quality issues there. And that's why I think yeah. w- you know what you're saying, uh, Sheree, is that you know test your therapist as well
2: yeah mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that we're all talking about this right now is because we really want to empower our listeners to be able to make an informed choice about who they're going to see <laughs> and a lot of times if you're going to see somebody in private practice you're paying a lot of money for it mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you're getting your money's worth as that's well
1: fair. that's right that's um oh here's a good one um we have to be totally nuts to go to a therapist. Right, the yeah. threshold for completely signing
2: up. insane, completely rock bottom. In order to see a therapist, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. That I think the other side of that is that you know when people come in that they have that sort of mindset like this like therapy is some kind of defeating you know like like you're you're in trouble. You're admitting defeat. I. Yeah. I, I I have you know talked with people that i've recommended go to therapy not in the practice but you know that i've recommended go to therapy and it's like i'm like i'm punishing them you know? yeah. like they're in trouble because they're going to seek therapy or you're just pointing out
1: like the fact that they're hopelessly defective as a human being right I right
2: mean, if you if you recommend therapy it's like really i'm that bad yeah
1: right right in, in the marriage prep episode um my wife and i talked about how we went to it we went to therapy <laughs> as part of our marriage prep we, we yeah. went to an LMFT who did, um, <laughs> EFT. I'm using so many words. EFT. We went to a family therapist who did emotional focused therapy, right? Yeah. And it was great. And like you, honestly, I think that, um, in medicine right now, like my doctor friends tell me, um, and my friends in healthcare, um, that there's this push towards preventative. Yes. And you know, you're seeing the benefits of that. I think like Kaiser is a medical company that really emphasizes that, uh, insurance company, but, mm-hmm. um, I would like to see something similar in in the world of psychotherapy and kind like i would love for people to sign up for therapy because they're like you know i think i could be even better than i am now yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely and even when i've worked with premarital couples and did eft with them and, and some other different types of work and those kind of clients always get me the most energized because i get to see how deep they get to go because they're already in a good place.
1: Yeah, they have a safe anchor.
2: Yeah, they have a safe, secure bond. And we get to do some amazing work. And then I get to leave. I'm like, I am so hopeful (laughs) for these couples. Like, they are going to be so good. And I know for a fact, if anything ever comes up, ever, they're going to come in for it before it becomes a real problem.
0: Right. That's one of the things that we talked about a couple of, you know, yeah. last time about uh, EFT as being, you know, very often, especially in couples, that, that couples wait six years, six yeah. to seven years before the issues really start, before they go and seek therapy. And it's like, very often it's sometimes like, well, what do you expect this to just be fixed in, yeah. <laughs> you know, five <laughs> to, sessions to or to less? To
2: magically go right. away. And maybe that's even another myth. I, I, I was, was going to just- say, yeah. I, my clients ask me if I have pixie dust and I tell them I'm going to dress up like Tinkerbell next time. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and then when they open the door, it's just going to magically fall upon them and right. then they're going to I think there's fixed. someone up in yeah.
1: Boulder who does that and charges $50 yeah. dollars an hour. No, I <laughs> wish I, wish I could. So that's a great myth. Um, the, the myth that counseling is magic, you know, and I think, I think there's been
0: a move, um, probably out of cbt and the cognitive behavioral method thanks a lot
1: uh, (laughs) 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 Evagrius
0: that it's going to somehow be fixed in Mm -hmm. you know 10 10 weeks um my biggest issue that you can possibly imagine is going to take 10 weeks to fix and that's it and some issues can be fixed quickly and hopefully progress very obvious progress is being made but sometimes um Sometimes therapy is just a process of, of months um, mm-hmm. and, and even a few years to really oh, yeah. to really get in there. And and that doesn't mean it's supposed to last 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, it could, but I think it's one of those things that's saying this is not going to be a very quick fix in, in any way because it's going it took you time to get to where you're at and it's going to take you time to get out of
1: it. Well put. That's well put. I, 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 um, I had a client once who asked me if, if I could put her in touch with a... A priest who does, you know, healing, a healing ministry to kind of like heal her, you know, her um, emotional struggles. And I mentioned this in that first episode, and I think it bears repeating, I, I, I truly believe... I, I believe miracles happen and i think you know anyone can look at the the lord's um you know our lady of lord's medical bureau in in france and see like medically verified things that are inexplicable but i also believe that god intended us to work with other human beings in community and in relationship and for our um our healing to unfold over time the way salvation history unfolded over time it didn't happen in, in an instant and um And to me, that 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 approach just makes more sense. Like you said, it takes time for us to get to our our problems. It takes time Mm -hmm. for habits to get ingrained and it takes time for virtue to build because virtue is the result of repeated acts, um, virtuous acts. And uh, a single act of virtue will not produce the habit.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's something we all see with clients is the second that they start to do something different and feel better. They're like, "Okay, I'm good. I don't need to see you. It's like, oh, no, like, stay, you're gonna, you st- stay like, you're, well, I can all, always say, well, you're going to come back to me in, like, a couple months when it doesn't necessarily stick or there's other things that come up.
0: And, and that's okay, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the really good things, especially about premarital counseling, is that now if issues come up in the marriage, you have a connection with someone who has an understanding of your history as a couple that you can then go see i think it's it can be helpful not to be reliant on a therapist for everything but to have someone that you have
1: an understand who has an understanding of you to be able to call when things go especially for a couple for a couple in particular, yeah. Right. No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We don't want to keep our clients dependent on us. That's the opposite of what we want. We want independence for our clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way in which I verbalize that to people,
0: because I always get asked, "How long is it going to take?" Mm-hmm. And the way in which I verbalize it is, "I want you to get value and benefit from every single session, but I don't want you to pay for one more session that is that you're not, you know, that, that, that what you get needed. benefit from. Yeah. You know, and and that's the way in which I. Yeah. And there are times where we terminate with, that sounds all clinical Mm -hmm. and everything, but where we stop therapy, you know, with a client, because we're saying, you know, come to a mutual agreement that, yeah, this is a good place to stop, and you, you know, we've reached the end of where we can go of benefit. Yeah,
2: if, especially sometimes I've had a client, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to guide them through something, and they're guiding themselves, they're doing all the work, and... Then at the end, I'm like, I don't think you need me.
1: Yeah. It's like that. And, that and then I get to
2: be like, yay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Every, uh, every, like, every, like, uh, like karate, like ninja movie. It's like, <laughs> my, my son, you no <laughs> longer need me. You have learned all I have to teach you.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's true. And maybe that's
0: another myth that, you know, just like the karate master that like, the therapist has absolutely everything completely figured out, and they're the no. paragon of <laughs> successful psychotherapeutic. Yeah. That's a really um, important myth to dispel, like, right now. Right. Um, my life is not perfect. I don't have everything figured out. In fact, I can uh, benefit and do benefit mm-hmm. from therapy myself, from yep. spiritual direction absolutely. myself, from pastoral counseling um, in certain situations, and, and and certainly from spiritual direction. I mean, we take it the next step of say as therapists, mm-hmm. to say because we're in these intense situations, you know, we do consultation groups, we do consultation with with fellow mm-hmm. peers.
1: I mean, that's part of what this is: is us yeah. all getting together and talking about. This stuff. is mutually enriching for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I recently picked up a book by a, a notable um, child psychiatrist uh, who um, he wrote. He, it's a, it's 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 transcribed dialogue between him and mothers who have come to him for advice. Um, you know parents will often come to like child psychologists and say like tell me what to do and the cool thing about this book is he writes it as essentially it's like a Socratic dialogue mm-hmm. where he more more or less just gets them to clarify things and then they figure it out on their own because mm-hmm. every situation is so different and so at, at the very most I think you know your therapist can give you principles but I really think that approach is better uh, instead of seeing them as like this um, all-knowing expert mm-hmm. see them more as a guide like you were talking about Cherie
2: Absolutely, and I think uh, one other thought that came up for me while talking about clients who think they're starting to be okay, and they leave, or a client feels like, okay, I should be better after a certain amount of sessions, and then they come up with this idea that it should take a shorter amount of time, and so therefore the therapist isn't a good therapist, or therapy didn't work, so they leave. And after a couple months, you know, a lot of couples be like, well, I'm not going back to therapy. Therapy obviously didn't work because here we are again. Right. You know, a lot of times it's because couples terminate too quickly or you just need to come back in for like three yeah. sessions. Booster
1: shot. Yeah, yeah. a booster yeah.
2: shot. And it doesn't mean that therapy doesn't work. It just means that it's okay to need it every once in a while.
1: Right. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, do we have any closing thoughts for our, cl- our listener? Cl- that was a, a Jungian slip. A Jungian slip. No. <laughs> no, I think, what does that even mean? I don't, no, I don't know. Um, it, sounds, it sounds deep and uh, It sounds an really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. Um, that was a BF Skinner's Skinnerian slip. It was automatically conditioned. Um, <laughs> uh, Pavlov slip. Um, so what do we have as closing thoughts? Like, do your research.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do, do your research. Read up. Um, on it and i think be at least for me be
0: aggressive with asking questions when you go in for therapy yourself yeah i had something else profound to say at the end here but uh it has lost me it has left me so i
1: wish it'll it'll find its way into a short form yeah i'm sure it
0: will so why don't we go ahead and end it there but yeah it was great to see you all and uh yeah we'll see you next time on the catholic psyche podcast i guess